Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. We are in the book of Hebrews for our theme verse, Hebrews the 12th chapter. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, let's run with perseverance, the race that is marked out for. What's that next word, the race that's marked out for? Us. That means you. By the way, let me pause here and tell you, you have a race to run, and it's nobody else's race but yours to run. And the more frustration you have in your life is because you're trying to run somebody else's race. If you try to run somebody else's race, let me say it this way because I rhyme it because I'm a poet. I'm not going to say that next part, but listen, you don't have grace for their race. You don't have grace for that. You don't, that's why comparison is the thief of all your joy because you don't have grace that they have. Mama, you don't have grace for the way they raise their children. You got grace for your children. Bad, little snotty-nosed kids you had with that man. You've got grace to raise them. You don't have their grace. Men, we don't have, you don't have the grace of somebody you're sitting next to in church and how they think and how they lead their families. You got grace for your Race. Let's run with grace. Put that verse back on the screen. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. There it is. If you want to run your race, by the way, the best way to keep your eyes in your race is to keep your eyes on Jesus. You get distracted by, I'm looking at them, I'm watching them, I'm seeing how they live their lives. Well, they, they're able to get away with it. You ever said that? You ever told your mama that? I, I remember growing up, I'd tell my mom, well, mama, they can. Mama looked at me right in the eyes, just, just bare face, looked me right in the eyes. She said, I'm not their mama, I'm yours. To which I would pray, I wish they were. <laughs> Listen, it's, I, it's not for them. It's, I don't care what they can. I don't care what they live. I don't care what they do. I've got something I need... God has called me uniquely. There's something for me to do. Say amen to that. It's my race. And if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus, it'll help you in your race. Now, if you're new to this series or maybe new to our church, the last couple of weeks we have looked in the book of John. I promise you I didn't plan this series this way, but I'm back in John today. A couple of weeks ago we started on Easter Sunday. We looked at the woman in the well, John, the fourth chapter. Last week we looked at Nicodemus, John chapter 3. By the way... After two services last weekend, we baptized 14 brand new believers. Come on, everybody. To God be the glory for that. I love, love, love baptisms here. I love, we have baptized since we started this church over 500 new believers. And Yeah, come on, that deserves to God be the glory for that. I, you may have grew up in church, it, it, their whole existence they didn't baptize 500 people, you know, or 14 people in a year. And I, I just, I'm thankful to God for Lives that are transformed here. But we looked at Nicodemus last week. This week I want to show you a story uh, that you won't just find in the Gospel of John. As a matter of fact, it's the only miracle besides the resurrection that is in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this miracle just like they record the resurrection. And if you're new to church or new to the Bible, you've probably heard about the feeding of of the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. I want to walk you through that story today and teach you from it. Take a look at the screens right now. Does anyone have any food? No. Food? Your name is Andrew. Yes? Yes. 
I wanted to say thank you again for everything. I'm not the one healed your father, but I can certainly pass that along. You've been asking about food. Yes. I want to share what I have. Sonny's can feed one family of the thousands. I just wanted to do what I could. The kingdom of heaven. Are you okay? It's like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What do you mean by that? No, I don't. Look, Let me say look, it another way. Instead of... We should it is like a merchant in search of fine Why pearl. Why There's no way to feed these One people. pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Listen carefully, because this is accessible to all of you, regardless of race or creed. It's the last thing we need the to do. The kingdom okay, is so saying. valuable that once you have glimpsed it, it's worth parting with everything you have in order to gain it. We shouldn't burden him. Even though to others you might look like a fool, throwing away your life savings to buy what would look to others an unremarkable field. But you know of the hidden treasure. That makes it worth everything. Have you come closer to here better? No, there, there is an issue. My friends, if you'll excuse me, I must speak with my students a moment. Rabbi, mm. people are out of food. Some have been without food for days, others have traveled a great distance. So, give them something to eat. We're out of food. They're out of food. Is it time to send them home? Well, at this point, they're so hungry and tired, if we send them home, they're faint along the way. You knew they were hungry? Yes, Judas. I can see them while I'm talking. Hmm. <laughs> well, this is a tough one. Where can we buy some bread for all these people? We only came with a little over 200 denarii. Rabbi, that's not even enough to get a little bit for everyone. I wouldn't even know how to calculate that. Matthew and I can calculate that. That's really easy. Maybe if we go into the cities, we can negotiate something on credit. Yes. Yes, that could work. Negotiate with whom? The closest city is Abila, and its entire population is here. It's nine miles away, and even if we raided every house in town, we'd have to find a way to bring it back here, and it would still only feed a fraction of the masses. Can you bring me anything? Surely there's some food from someone, even a small amount. Five loaves of bread and two fish. But what is this for so many? Barley loaves. Two fish and five barley loaves. Thank you for clarifying. This is humiliating. John. He will take care of it if he wants to. You look scared. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid that he'll choose them. I 
This is wonderful bread, Telemachus. I know it's not enough. Oh, it's enough for me. I can do a lot with this. Thank you. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. But they find some bread. If they've got bread, be ready. We'll probably be first. Feed them. What has changed? Are we... Organize the people into groups of 50 and 100. Gather up 12 baskets to distribute the loaves and fish. Was I unclear? Ah, oh, no. This feels familiar. Maybe. Let's go. Does anyone have a basket? Please borrow a basket. Please. 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 Come on. Yes, over here. Feed them. Yes. Anyone have a basket? Anyone? The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, yeah, yeah. it is larger than all the okay, gardens. becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air can come and make their nests in its branches. Yeah, I've got one. Okay. Let's just keep uh, on. Break up the bread. Okay. Okay. How need do we have? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Anyone need some? It's better than the tail. That's the last of it. Yeah, that's the last of it. All right, Marcus, you can have your basket back. I'm giving you spiritual food. But you clearly need actual food now. So let's eat.
James, what happened? Your basket looks heavier than before. <laughs> Everyone ate it was satisfied. They didn't want any more, they were full. You gave us even more than we needed. You will get used to this kind of math, Judas. <laughs> I'm in. Thank you, Rabbi. Can't believe we ever doubted. Well, I was the one to cause their hunger. I should be the one to satisfy it, no? Mm. I, I am no longer surprised. You're a new Matthew. Oh, sorry. But I meant it. <laughs> it's always this way. I don't know why I'm surprised. I love this story. I love the telling of this story because in all four of the Gospels, it only records 5,000 people. Now, all four Gospel writers would not have, because of cultural norms, would not have counted women and children that were present at this miracle. So most historians think there's probably 10, 12, maybe even 15,000 people there. And I love this uh, dramatic presentation of this miracle. I want to preach to you about miracles for just a couple of moments and the way that I have the last several weeks, if you could sit down with the disciples who were there for the miracle, if you could talk to the people who talked to Jesus, what would they tell you? I hope you're taking good notes. Write this in your notes. Here's the first thing. If you could sit down with the disciples today who were there the day Jesus fed 5, 10, 15,000 people in a miracle, here's what they would say to you. Number one, your setback is a setup for a miracle. Your setback is a setup for a miracle. The disciples had seen Jesus do miracles before. Maybe in your life you've thought, I've seen God do big things. I know God's a healer. I know I've seen God heal other people. I know I've seen God move in other lives. I've seen God answer other people's Prayer. The disciples had seen that, but Jesus wanted to change their perspective about miracles from here on out. Every miracle they had seen until this one, it was Jesus and somebody in need. Jesus goes to a funeral, he ruins every funeral he goes to. Jesus goes to a funeral, raises a dead person. Jesus meets a blind person, heals them. Jesus meets a deaf person, opens their ears. Jesus meets somebody demon-possessed, casts the devils out of them. The disciples had never participated in the miracle. Listen, Jesus did not solve the issue for them. Jesus asked them a question. Here it is in your Bible, John the 6th chapter. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. You saw that. And turning to Philip, here it is, underline this in your Bible, Jesus asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Where, where, what, what, what are we going to do about this? Uh, t t tell me what the plan is. Look, Jesus asked the disciples, tell me what the plan is. Tell me how we're going to fix this. Tell me the solution to this. Verse 6, he was testing Philip. Here's the part you need to know because he already knew what he was going to do. Let me pause here and tell you, God already has an answer to every question you bring him. God always, he already has a miracle in store for you. God, it, you've never, let me say it this way, you've never shocked God off the throne. You've never prayed such a big prayer that God goes, I've never heard of that. 
I've never seen that before. I, it, God's never had a, a head scratcher. It's never been a, well, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do this. God already had an answer. Listen, if Jesus asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he's trying to get you involved in the miracle. Jesus is trying to involve you in the need. Jesus is trying to make sure you know you have a part to play in your miracle. Shout amen to that. Most people, not y'all, but people at 930, most people come to God saying, God, I messed it up. You fix it. God, I'm in a mess. I need a miracle. Jesus, I don't know what we're going to do. You fix this. Jesus, here's all my problems. Here's, we come to church and we got a laundry list. You know what I mean? At prayer time, you're thinking, thank God, because I got some stuff I need to talk about. Jesus, here it comes. Here, I got, I, my job's terrible. I hate my boss. I'm married to an idiot. My kids are on my nerves. We ain't got no money. I don't feel good. I got a headache. It's probably a brain tumor. God, I don't know what's going on in my life right now. But here's all my problems. Fix them. Anybody else pray that way but me? God, here's all my problems. Fix them. God, here's everything I have. What are we going to do? And Jesus flips the script in this miracle to say, I want you to see the need and you to participate in the miracle. The hardest lesson you may learn about faith is that God requires your participation in your miracle. Shout amen to that. God isn't always going to just drop it in your lap. Some stuff you're going to have to get involved in your own miracle. Let me say it this way. You may be the answer to somebody's prayer request. You may be the answer that they're praying for. You may be the one that God is trying to use. You may have a part to play in the miracle. Well, well Pastor, I don't, I don't think it works that way. I, this sounds like a works message. Look at me. It is a works message, not working for your salvation, but Jesus never promised you you wouldn't have to work for your miracle. He just promised you couldn't do anything to earn your salvation. But once you're saved, honey, it's time to put your work boots on and decide this trouble isn't going to take me out. I'm getting to work for my miracle. Shout amen to that. You don't know how bad this setback is. You don't know the trouble I've got. And we start making excuses to God. God, I would. I would come to church, but it's just so dead gum early. At 11. <laughs> God, I would serve in a small group, but I'm busy. I don't know if you've seen my calendar yet, God, but I'm a pretty big deal. I just got stuff to do. God, I would tithe, but I, we don't have, you know this budget, we've got no room. I don't know where, we got excuses and excuses and excuses. Write this in your notes. When I make room for excuses, I don't have any room for expectation. You can fill your mind and your heart with excuses. This is why I am like I am. This is why my temper is like it is. This is why I'm negative. This is why I've gone through. The, this is, I was raised on the wrong side of the tracks. I was raised with a family that didn't have any idea. I, I, I didn't have the opportunities you have. You can have excuses and stay in your state 
of setback and problems and trial or you can be filled with expectation that says I don't know how you're going to do this but you're the God who works all things for my good and I trust you for a miracle shout amen to that let me pastor you for just a moment you ought to come to church with expectation I can't wait to see what's going to happen I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I can't wait to see who's God going to heal. I can't wait to see the miracle God's going to perform. I can't wait to see how God's going to speak to my heart. Well, he doesn't really speak to me the way that he speaks to everybody else. Sure he does. You just got to come with expectation. Well, I don't really like that song. I don't even like that song leader. And it's loud and a little cold in here. And it's dark and I don't like anything about it. And I'm just not going to get anything out. Guess what? You'll go home just as empty as you came. But if you come saying, you know what, God? I need a miracle. I'm expecting you to speak to me. I'm expecting you to answer. I'm expecting God to move in my life. Can I get a better? I'm expecting to leave here with peace. I'm expecting to leave with joy. I'm expecting God to answer my prayer. I'm expecting things to change. I'm expecting healing in my life. I expect a miracle from God. You got room in your soul for either excuses or expectations. This just happened. One of our kingdom builders last week, I haven't told this story, I didn't tell it in first service. Last week, Sunday service, I'm here preaching the gospel. We had a kingdom builder in the emergency room and it didn't look good. Matter of fact, I bet they're at church online today. It didn't look good at all. Monday, I'm in my office. I get a call. It's 911, come now. Long story, I don't have time to tell you, not really my story to tell you, except to say, on a ventilator, things weren't good. We got no answer. We don't know what's happening. Multiple tests, two days worth of, we don't know what's happening, but this is going the wrong direction. We prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. But listen, we didn't just pray. I was there with a husband, and family, and friends, and kingdom builders. We didn't just pray saying, God, I don't know what to do. God, this doesn't look good. God, I don't know what. Every time we prayed, we prayed with expectation. God's going to answer. God's going to move. Here's all I can tell you. Listen, not my story to tell you all of it right now, but know this. On Monday, it was a ventilator. She went home on Friday, completely clean bill of health. It's a miracle in motion. I pray with expectation. I expected God to move. I expected God to answer. I could have made everyone. Well, God, I guess this is it. I, the doctor said there's no hope. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. It doesn't matter what the divorce attorney says. It doesn't matter what the bank says. It matters that I believe God can use this problem for his good. Shout amen to that. You got a view. Our church was built on expectation. You want to know why they're kind of gritty around here? You, want to, you just got here. Listen, some of you, you just got here and you're thinking, well, he spits a lot. I don't know what's going on. I was much wilder than I, I've calmed down. I was wild. We were built on expectation. You know why? Because we started our church in a little elementary school, it smelled like little elementary kids. The toilets were this low. It was terrible. We moved from that to a movie theater. It was even worse. People at first service could eat hot dogs. It was disgusting. 
We lost that venue, COVID. We lost every. We moved the church. We had to go back to an elementary school. Listen, we could have made excuses about how we can't and we're not going to grow and I guess we'll wait till we get a building and I guess we'll just maybe one day God. No, no, no. We had a team that got up at 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock. One, one, one Easter we loaded in at midnight. The team got there at midnight, loaded in till about 3 o'clock in the morning, went home, took a shower, took a nap, Came back to church at 6 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because we expected God to move. We expected Jesus to save sinners. We expected people to get saved. And guess what happened? This church was birthed in adversity. And sometimes, look, your greatest victory will be birthed in your greatest setback. It depends on how you look at your circumstance. Setbacks are designed by hell to destroy you. Look at me. But God can use them to develop you. I know you think, this thing's going to take me under. It may not take you under. As a matter of fact, let me say it to you this way. So many of us have incredible potential on the inside of us. We just need a problem big enough to reveal it. (laughs) If you make her blind and deaf and mute you'll get a Helen Keller. If you burn him so so severely as a child, the doctors say he'll never walk again, and Glenn Cunningham sets the world record for the four-minute mile. You put a love for music on the inside of him, and then you take away his hearing and make him deaf, and Beethoven still writes his ninth symphony, and he never heard it with his natural ears. You lock him in an Alabama prison cell and try to silence his influence, and Dr. Martin Luther King says, I still have a dream. you got to decide in your life, am I going to allow this obstacle to become an opportunity for God to do what only God can do? And you're praying... For God to take it away. Now this is going to hurt your feelings. I'm warning you. You're going to get your feelings hurt. And you're going to get in the car and go, that hurt my feelings. But don't say I didn't warn you. God is telling you truth. But sometimes truth is not enough to get you moving. Sometimes you need trouble. Let me say it like this. Write it in your notes. I didn't put it on the screen. Sometimes you're better in a battle. Some some of you are praying away the thing God put in your life to develop you. There's some battles God's not going to deliver you out of because you'll only get developed in the battle. Some stuff God's not taking away, not because he's mean to you, but because he's trying to teach us. God said, I'm, Jesus said, I'm not going to answer this. You go find something to feed them with. You go decide how this is going to work. Stop giving the devil credit for your setback. God could be using it for a setup for the biggest miracle you've ever had. Shout amen to that. I'm preaching through Sudafed right now. It's, it's either anointing or Sudafed, one of the two. <laughs> God is using the setback of your life. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to give up. 
It's always too soon to imagine God's done. God's not done yet. It's always too soon to throw in the towel. It's always too soon to say, well, I guess this prayer is never going to get answered. It's always too soon to walk away thinking God just let us down. It's always too soon to quit. Because when you get to heaven, listen, there's only one denomination. Now, I was raised denominational. Maybe you were too. I thank God for my heritage, and I, I am who I am today because of my but my heritage, where I, where I come from, this is a non-denominational church, but there are no denomination. There's only one denomination in heaven, right? You're not going to get there and go to the Baptist corner where it's real quiet. You're not going to go to the Pentecostal corner where it's real loud. That, that we can't, we can't help it. Our people can't help it. Where they got flags and whatnot. You're not going to go to the Episcopal corner where there's wine. Stop what? There's only one denomination in heaven, and it's overcomers. That's the only people that make it. Revelation says it like this. Revelation 12 says they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by what? The word of their testimony. You've got to decide the thing you're going through isn't going to stop me from the calling God has on my life. This setback is a setup. God said, I'm going to do something with this and involve you in the miracle. Shout amen to that. They put John the revelator on the Isle of Patmos as a punishment. And John said, that's fine. I'll be out here by myself. And he wrote the book of Revelation, 22 chapters of Revelation. Why? Because he decided, I will not let this setback determine my destiny. God has something for me. I know the enemy wants to destroy me. But it's a setup for my miracle. If you can meet the disciples who were there the day Jesus multiplied two fish and five loaves, they would tell you, it looks like a setback now, but it's a setup for the biggest miracle you'll ever experience. Here's the second thing. Write this in your notes. I think if you can meet with the disciples, they tell you, as Jesus multiplies this little boy's lunch, in the hands of Jesus, not enough becomes more than enough. In the hands of Jesus, not enough becomes more than enough. Most people drop the ball of faith, listen to me, in times of transition. I'm going to help you right now because some of you are in seasons of transition. The Holy Spirit is speaking right to your heart because you're, you're between this and that. You don't have what you were and you're not where you're going. And in the middle of this transition is where you'll be tempted to drop the ball of faith. You start thinking, God's let me down. I don't know what to do. I don't have enough. It's I've let go of that, and what I have right now isn't enough to get me where I'm going. I didn't put it on the screen, but write it in your notes. If what's in your hand isn't enough to meet your need, it must be your seed. If it's not enough to meet the need that you have, if the talent you have the skill you have, the connections you have, the resource you have, the strength you have, the joy you have, if it's not enough to meet your need, it must be that you need to plant that seed. If you put it in the hands of Jesus, not enough becomes more than enough. The disciples said, what, what do we do with this? This doesn't look like much. We can't even feed ourselves. There'll always be deficiencies. You'll always come up short. But your lack does not stop God. 
It doesn't limit God. He just wants to know, will you trust me with what you do have? Will you put in my hands the little that you have? Because in the hands of Jesus, not enough becomes more than enough. If you put a basketball in my hands, it's worth about $25. Right now, I feel like I could help the Spurs. Can't hurt, that's for sure. But if you put a basketball in LeBron James' hands, for some reason they pay that joker $75 million to flop all over the ground. <laughs> it just depends on whose hands the basketball is in. Same basketball, just depends on whose hand it's in. If you put a baseball in my hand, it's worth about $8. You put a baseball in... Jacob Garam's hand, it's worth about $27 million. You put a tennis racket in my hands, it's worth about $75. You put a tennis racket in Venus Williams' hands, it's worth about $50 million. You put a rod, a stick in my hand, I'll chase away a bear. Country boy will survive. Are y'all with me on that right here? You put a rod in my hand, I'll chase away something. You put a rod in Moses' hand. And the seas part matters whose hands it's in. You put a slingshot in my hand, it's just a kid's story. You put a slingshot in David's hand, it'll protect the whole army of Israel. You put two fish and five loaves of bread in my hand, you get a couple of fish sandwiches. You put two fish and five loaves in Jesus' hand, and it feeds the multitude. You put nails in my hands, I could probably hobble together a birdhouse. You put nails in his hand, it'll save the whole world. It just matters whose hand it is. Listen, you can hold on to it or you can give it to Jesus, but you can't do both. Open your hands just in front of you. Everybody, church online, open your hands in front of you. Look down into them. If you learn to live open-handed, God will handle the biggest issues of your life. Clench those fists as tight as you can. If you learn to live this way, you can hold on to it. But God can't fix it. Not that God isn't powerful enough. He's just not going to wrestle it out of your hands. Open those hands back up before God. If you learn to live open-handed. When you live with an open hand, God always provides more than enough. God, I don't know what to do with this marriage. Give it to Jesus. God, I don't know what to do with these finances. I'll, I'll show you. Let me show it to you in God's Word. Malachi 3 and 10 says it like this. If you'll bring all the tithe to the storehouse that there's enough food in my temple. And here's the, here's the operative word. Look at this. If you do. Look at me. Some people believe the blessings of God are automatic. They are not automatic. There's an if. If you'll do that, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you don't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Verse 11, here's what it says will happen. Your crops will be abundant. You'll always have more than enough. Here's, a, here's another thing that will happen. I'll guard your crops from the insects and disease. Now, I know this is agriculture, but you need to put this into your life. I, I don't just need the hand of God to multiply. I need the, the hand of God to protect me. Are you with me, everybody? 
You want to know the best way to protect your investment, whatever your investment is, finances, your home, your health, your children, your marriage. The best way to protect your investment is not to hold on to it. It's to give it to God. And when I give it to God, it's in His hands now. And in His hands, not enough becomes more than enough. You can't outgive God. You can't give God too much. It's why we tithe. It's why Brandy and I bring our first fruits to God. It's why we give generously above and beyond. It's why so many of you do that because you recognize it doesn't make any sense. The first 10% of my income goes to God and then God blesses my 90% more than He would my 100%. The math doesn't add up in the kingdom except not enough in the hands of more than enough is a miracle. There's some areas of your life that you need to bring to Jesus. The miracle didn't start till they brought empty baskets and a little boy's lunch to Jesus. Now the disciples, listen, the disciples could have decided to keep the lunch for themselves. Look, there's 12 of us. We can make these, I don't even like fish. Let me get in on that bread. Can I get a better amen somebody? Give me double bread and butter and y'all get the fish, Okay. We can make it stay right in here and we'll take care of ourselves. Look at me, listen. And you can live your life this way. I'm just going to take care of mine. I'm just going to do what I need. I'm just going to take care of me and mine. As long as as, as we're okay, I don't care. As long as we got, I come to church to get. I just won't get, I just going to take care of me. I'm just going to make sure we got everything we need and everybody else, it doesn't matter what they need. Listen. And you can do that. And you can feed you. But the miracle, listen, the miracle is in distribution. And the miracle you're asking God for is not in hoarding. It's in distribution. And if you'll learn to live your life open-handed, God, I give you all my talents. The reason I serve here is not because they guilt me into it. It's because God gave me this gift, this talent. This I, I can't help but give it back to God. The reason we give financially is not because it's because I can't. God gave me this. I'm, I'm gonna give everything I own back to God. If you'll learn the reason why my marriage, I'm gonna give this to God. My children, I'm gonna give this to God. My 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 relation, I'm gonna give this to God. And if you will listen, you are blessed to distribute. You are not blessed to hoard. As long as you have an open hand to God, God will bless. And John six says it like this, verse twelve, and I'm done. After everyone else was full, notice this, after everybody else is full, Jesus told his disciples, now you go gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled, how many baskets? Twelve baskets of scraps left by the people who had eaten five barley loaves. Look at me. Why twelve? Because there's twelve disciples. Let me tell it to you like this. If you'll learn to live your life open-handed, you'll always bring home more than you brought. Why, why, why do we serve? I met a dream teamer here yesterday. Yesterday was Saturday, by the way. I, I, I came to the church yesterday, and there's a dream teamer in this room working, serving, preparing for you, stuff you wouldn't even recognize unless it wasn't, unless you didn't do it. Then you'd notice I said, man, what are you doing here? How's your week been? He told me, he said, it's honestly been a really hard week. Like, really. 
like 60 hours, like customers and people and, you know, much like your week, I'm sure. And he said, I couldn't wait to get here. Now, this isn't Sunday. This is Saturday. He said, I couldn't wait to get here. I said, why? Why? You're here all alone. Why are you here? Nobody's here encouraging. The worship team's not playing. I'm not preaching a masterpiece. Why? (laughs) You know what? (laughs) He said, because I get filled up here. I'm going to serve all day tomorrow. He has, actually. Served all day. That doesn't take away. I, I leave with more than I came with. Because not enough in the hands of more than enough is where miracles happen. If in your life you're looking at a situation, open those hands again. Look down into those hands. And I want you to, in your mind's eye, I want you to place every situation. Matter of fact, close your eyes. And in your eyes of faith, I want you to those open hands, I want you to put your children, your marriage, this big decision you're facing, college, finances, house, depression, worry, struggle at work, co-workers, end of the month, problems, business, employees, I want you to put it in your hand. It may look like not enough to you. As a matter of fact, you may, you may think in your mind, like this doesn't, I, I, God, I don't know how we answer this. I don't know where the answer is coming from. This isn't enough for me. I, I don't know what to do with this. this I, I don't have enough right here. But symbolically with your eyes closed, your hands open to God, just say, I put it in your hands. God, I give it to you today. God, I, I, I give you all of this stuff that I'm worried about. Now, if that's you, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I want you to be bold and say, Pastor, this is me. I'm facing a situation that I feel inadequate. It's a setback. It feels like things are going worse and not better. It feels like I got got less answers than I had yesterday. I don't know. This is going the wrong direction. And I just, I need to know, is there a miracle on the way? If that's you, just be bold. Raise your hand. Say, it's me. It's me. It's me. Hands are up all over the house. Couples. Families. Keep your hand before God. As an act of faith, I want you to, with that hand raised, say, God, here it is. I'm reaching up to heaven, giving you this situation. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know where you're going to move. God, I don't have enough food to feed all these people. God, we don't know what you're going to do. God, this doesn't make any sense. God, we don't have any strength to continue on. God, I can't see another doctor. God, I don't know how this is. God, I don't. we can't hire anybody else. God, this isn't working anymore. God, there's the need's big. Like there's thousands of people out there, Jesus. Maybe you're not as alarmed as we are, but I don't know what you're going to do in this. But with my hands raised in faith, I give it to you. Come on, do that. Symbolically in your own heart, just whisper to the Lord, God, I give you this. God, it's too big for me. It's not enough in my hands, so it must be yours. It's not enough. for I can't do anything with it. I've tried. We've done everything we know how to do. We've gone everywhere we know how to go. This is in your hands now. God has to answer this now. God, you're the multiplier. God, you're the miracle worker. God, this is not a setback. No, no, no. This is a setup for me to be involved in the biggest miracle I've seen in my life. God, you don't have to answer the way I think you're going to. God, you don't have to do it my way. I just want you to know I'm giving you my whole life. I'm putting this in your hands. Put your hands down and keep your eyes closed and head bowed. If you've never put your life in his hands, that's what you got to do now. 
The, the, the great Dr. Charles Stanley, who recently went home to be with the Lord, is famed for saying that God takes responsibility for a life wholly surrendered to Him. God takes full responsibility for a life wholly surrendered to Him. If you haven't surrendered your whole life to Jesus, today's the best day to do that. If it's been a while, or maybe you've walked away, or maybe you're just cold and distant, and you're ready to recommit your life to Christ, I can't pray this prayer for you, but I can lead you in it and pray it along with you. As a matter of fact, our whole church will pray it together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Here's the part that only you can pray from the depths of your soul. I need you today. I give you my whole life. I repent of my sins. I give you my past. I give you my current struggles, my issues, my problems, my not enough. I put it in your hands and ask you for more than enough. I give you my future. I give you my hopes and dreams. Save me today. Be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout a big amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.